Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 through 25. Today we're going to talk about victory, and we have victory through the Word, that the Word of God is a weapon that we use. Amen? And if you don't know that, you're going to find that out this morning. That is what we're going to try to convince you of for us, for some to receive it. Now, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory are like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for letting us be in your house. Holy Spirit, enlighten our hearts through your word, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, everyone says... Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Say, this place got a whole lot prettier with you here, too. Got some junior high boys that's been waiting to say that for a long time, man. Now's your chance. Take it. Take it while you got it. What I want to do this morning is we're going to talk about victory through the Word of God. And now this really does get my juices flowing, get excitement in my heart, because I realize the power of the Word of God, the power of the Bible, the Word of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It can transform, it can change, it can do things that we do not know. Now, we're in the midst of a war, whether we realize we're in a war or do not realize that we're in a war, we're in the midst of a war. It's in the spiritual world that we don't always see. Matter of fact, we can't see it like we need to see it, so we have to trust God that whenever we use his weapons that he's assigned us, that we can fight that spiritual war. So this morning, we're going to talk about the Word of God. Now, last week, we talked about worship. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But this week, we're going to talk about the Word of God. And here, Peter is writing this, and he's saying, listen, this is the Word that was preached to you. Now, we're going to work our way backwards through this is what we're going to do. So have you guys ever heard this statement, where did you leave it last? You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's one of those questions that you love to ask, but you hate to be asked. If I knew where the object was that I lost, I would go back and find it. But I don't know where I placed it, so thank you for asking that question. And it's usually asked by a spouse, which even makes it so much better, huh? So for Christmas, a year or two ago, my wife got tired of me asking that question. I would say, sweetheart, where are my car keys? I finally got smart and started saying, hey, where's our wallet? Where's our car? No, I didn't do that, but that would have been smart. She got tired of me asking that question, so she bought me a little object called a tile. Now, if you guys know what this is, it's a little sensor, and I have it attached to my car keys. I have one in my wallet, and it runs through an app on my cell phone. So anywhere I go, I know where my stuff is. Because we got tired of answering that question, let's work backwards. You guys know how it is. You searched the entire home for your glasses. You've looked in drawers and cabinets, and it wasn't until you looked in the mirror and saw that they were on top of your head the entire time that you finally found them. You start working backwards. Well, that's my joy this morning, really, as we look at the Apostle Peter and what he has to say. I want to start with verse 25 and work up through verse 22. You know, in life, it's a very funny thing. But many times, if you want to know where you're going to go, you've got to start where you want to be. And you kind of work your way backwards to see what it takes to get there. 
Now, the kids that are graduating today and, and the life change and stuff, listen, you've got to project your life, not just in the next four years, but 20, 30 years, and say, okay, this is where I eventually want to wind up, and this is where I would like to start from. So we all have to do this. But this morning, we're going to start back for Peter because in the beginning statement, he says that you have purified yourself. That means that we stand before God in a right manner, in a manner that honors him, that glorifies him. And I think that's every Christian's desire is to stand before God, to hear those wonderful words that we all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of heaven. But also here on earth that we could stand before him and say, okay, this person has a pure heart after me. This person has a desire to worship and to love me to the best of his ability. So as we work backwards here, just hang with me. A couple things that I want to bring in that we're going to learn here. The first two things is what we should be excited about the Word of God and how it works in our life. And then we're going to talk about it being a weapon. We're going to talk about how we can use it for our life and how it opens up our eyes. But the first thing that I see here as Peter is preaching, as Peter is sharing through written letter here, it says, the Word that was preached to you, verse 25. I love how he says that the word that was preached to you or the gospel of Jesus Christ that was preached to you. See, this word preached isn't like we always think about. It's not like some slick-haired back preacher. Man, that's just letting you have it, man. Spits going 10 rolls deep, you know what I mean? Sweat's draining down the face, and he doesn't even know if he's saved. He's preaching so hard, you know what I mean? We've all been in those. Peter here kind of has a different connotation. As you read that word, he talks about preached. It is attached to gladness. That Peter is saying, listen, this is the word that I came and I gave you and it gave you hope and it made you excited that you know that there's things past this life. As all these graduates go to college and go into the world, they're going to be challenged on that. Several people out there with opinions that this is all it is. The world, you die, and that's all there is. But we know as Christians that's not true. And here in the word of God, it shows us Peter was saying, listen, the word that I've preached to you, the word that you received, I want you to think back on that. It's okay to get your spiritual excitement going, if you will, because I preached it, you received it with gladness, that there's hope beyond what we can see. There's hope beyond what we can think. There's hope beyond sometimes just the simple brokenness of the world, the difficulty of the world that we all face. We're not excused from it. We all face it in different ways, in different situations. And here Peter is saying, listen, make your heart glad because I've got a great gospel to share with you and I preached it to you, now you remember it. And this morning as we continue, just remember every time you go to the word, it's okay to be happy. I was talking to pastor when I first started four or five years ago and I asked him, I said, pastor, I said, what could I do different up on stage? And he just kind of looked at me, he said, Matt, do you like preaching? I said, I do, pastor. He said, well, won't you notify your face and let everybody else think that you really enjoy, you're having a good time. He didn't put in those words, but uh, he said, why don't you smile a little bit? I'm like, well, that's a pretty good idea, I guess, you know. It was serious stuff, you know, and the word is serious. But listen, when, sometimes when I sit down and I read the word of God, it does convict me, it does challenge me, and all those times I don't have a smile on my face. But I have a fulfillment in my heart because I know if I do it God's way, I'm doing it the right way. But there's other times I sit down and I begin to think about God coming back to get us one day. I begin to think about his salvation. I begin to think about what we sing about, how his goodness follows us. And it's on my children and their children and their children. And something wells up inside of me because I realize that it's true. Happy, happy, happy. Amen. Now, he goes on and continues and helps us out on something else here. 
Verse 24 and 25, for all people are like grass and all their glory are like the flowers of the field and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. See, we get to preach and teach and listen and consume an enduring word. So it's not only a word that is preached and, and we receive it with joy and we receive it with gladness, but it's also a word that will last forever. See, our, our bodies wear out. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as it is appointed unto once uh, is it appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It lets us know that one day our bodies will wear out. The grass weathers, it fades away, and more comes up. But that's the cycle of earth, and it's not fun to talk about, but it helps us understand that there will be one day that we stand before God, and what we do has to have an eternal significance. What we do, and we only receive that through the weapon of our word. Through the, through the, we, we, excuse me, one of the ways that we receive it is through our word as a weapon. It also talks about this, all their glory are like flowers of the fields. You know, flowers are so beautiful. If you look out in the fields, if you drive down these roads, especially in between towns when you have large stretches like we do here in Oklahoma, if you look on the sides and you see all these beautiful painted flowers and you see all these wonderful wildflowers, rather, you wonder, how did they get there? Did it just happen? Lady Bird Johnson, many, many years ago, went out on an American beautification project is what she did. And her job was to go out and take those seeds and scatter them all across the interstates and the highways and things like that. So while we're driving up and down, we can look at the sides and just see the beautiful flowers but it makes such a difference whenever you enter into an area that are beautiful but flowers fade Coretta Scott King Dr. Martin Luther King's wife loved red carnations she anticipated their arrival and one of the things that he was really good about is from time to time he would just send her a bouquet of red carnations that was her favorite one day she received red carnations but they were plastic and she thought about it for a while Finally, next time she talked to her husband, because, you know, it's not like it is today where if I just want to talk to my wife, I just pick up my cell phone and be like, hey, what's up, you know? Maybe a little bit of time in there, but next time she talked to her husband, she said, why did you get me plastic red carnations? He said, because I wanted to get you something that would last. He understood that true flowers, they, they wither and they, they die and they fade away. The interesting fact about that story is three weeks later is whenever Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. She kept those flowers until the very last day she was alive. But he understood something. He understood that it doesn't last forever. No matter how bad we want it to, no matter if we try to control the situation, if we don't, and that's what this guy's helping us understand. It's what Peter's helping us understand that, listen, we can even reach back into the Old Testament, which is really where this quote comes from, that, listen, this is the cycle of life. And many times the world can tell you that you're doing great and give you all kinds of rewards and accolades and all kinds of things. But it warns us that, listen, the glory that comes from those will not last. The glory that we have to be about is our Father's business, that everything we want to do through Jesus Christ, we lift up the name of God, amen? And it's his glory that we strive after. And it's a glory that will last forever. So when we put ourselves in that glory and we stand before God and it sends it through the fire, those are the things that won't burn up. Those are the things that, that, that God will say, these are the rewards that you have earned but we come to that understanding that it's from the word of God. It's an enduring word. It should encourage us and inspire us to say, I want to quote more of it. I want to know more of it. I want to understand more of it. Now, all of us in here, especially in this part of the world, most of us probably have some kind of weapon, some kind of gun that's been handed down through the generations. You guys know what I'm talking about? You got a shotgun from like, you know, three grandpas ago, and you shoot it once, and you're scared when you shoot it because you don't know how well it's going to shoot. You know what I'm talking about? 
You got there, get out there and oil it and, and make sure that it's in mechanical, um, in the right mechanical place. And you're kind of nervous about pulling that trigger because those weapons wear out. Those things wear out. The word of God that we get to leave as a legacy for our children, for our children's children and children's children's children doesn't wear out. It's something that we can hand down after generation after generation and generation and it never goes away because it's an enduring word. It's a weapon that we can use. It's a weapon we can use whenever we look out into the world of darkness that we see. I know how nervous some of you guys are. You're fixing to release these wonderful kids at the college level, and that gets kind of scary. And kids, you gotta have a bright, open-eyed understanding about this, that listen, you are still with your parents and they love you, but you're about to be out on your own and it is your business and you need to start handling it correctly. Amen, Pastor Matt. And there'll be people out there that will try to talk you out of what you know about Christ. There'll be people out there that will try to take that away. And you've got to stand firm on the enduring word and say, no, I know what you're offering may not last, but the word of God will stand forever, so I will stand upon it. It's going to happen. So you make that stance, and we all need to do that. The world gets tough. It gets difficult. Things happen that we don't ask for. Bad decisions are made. And we look into the abyss sometimes and we have to remember our firm foundation planted on the solid work of God, amen? So we encourage ourselves, but we use that weapon. Now, one thing that we understand about this weapon that Paul, that Peter helps us understand is simply this, that it's supernatural. We believe that there is a life past this, that there's a war that goes on, so we must believe that the word of God is a supernatural word. Verse 23, for ye have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. See, the Word of God, the, our Bible, the words that Jesus spoke, we know that it is an enduring Word and it's supernatural. We look through the Bible time and time again and we see people's backs pressed against the wall. We've got an army coming from one way and the Red Sea in front of us. What are you going to do? We have somebody chasing us and we don't know where to hide and God opens something up for us. We are in a position where we need provision or vision and we see that time and time again in the Word of God through the matriarchs and patriarchs that God delivers once again. You know, we shouldn't read the Bible wondering if God is going to make it happen. Okay, let's kick back a little bit. How many of you guys love the Andy Griffin Show? Okay, good. I got, I got some good hands. All right. Okay, how many of you guys love Matlock? Most of you guys don't know what three of you. Okay, good, good. Okay, my grandma used to always watch this. How about Murder, She Wrote? Oh, I got some women talking like, I told you that was a good show. Oh, man, it was brutal. It wasn't a good. No, I'm just kidding. It was good. It was good. Okay, then we, we turn forward and we see some sequels like Mag, Mag, Magnum P.I. or Lethal Weapon or these type of things that we see, and we can fast forward into the new genre of it, which you have to be careful about that because some of that stuff, you're like, why is that even on the TV screen? You know what I mean? But you don't watch those videos to wonder if the good guy is going to win. We watch, those, we watch those, uh, that entertainment to see how the good guy is going to win. How are they going to pull it off this time? Whenever we read the word of God, it's not a matter of if God will provide. It's a matter of when he provides. It's not a matter of if God will make a way. It's a matter of when does he make the way. It's not a matter of God, are you going to come through? It's a matter of God, I'm sitting in anticipation because I know you're going to come through. We're just not to that place yet. But it's a supernatural word because we have to receive it. And, and, and it's amazing because some of you guys are in here like, amen, and your heart's pounding, you know what I'm talking about. And that's the spirit man inside of you that's been regenerated by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we read his words and it begins to bull up inside and you're like, yeah, let's go conquer. That's great. That's how you should be. 
Our spirit man is being rejuvenated and revitalized by the word of God. See, Nicodemus, one of the great leaders of Israel in the Bible, he knew things that, I mean, he had wealth, he had opportunity. John chapter 3, he's having a conversation with Jesus, and he's trying to figure all this out. Now, he's a great leader at the time, and he's trying to figure it out the best that he can. He's seen Jesus do miracles and heard of them and do, do all this stuff, and his mind's open. And he goes in, and he sits with Christ and begins to talk to him. But it's unusual because it says he goes by night. So he's in that place where he still doesn't want anybody to recognize it, but he has some questions, and he sits down with Christ. And they begin to talk, and he begins to walk him through salvation. They have the discussion, well, unless a man be born again, be born of water, be born of the Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, I don't believe in a smart aleck way or anything like that, or frustrated way, just looks at Jesus and he says, is a man to go back into his mom's womb and be born again? I mean, he's trying to figure this out. The only problem is he's trying to figure it out from a spiritual or from a physical standpoint. He's trying to, he's trying, he's, <laughs> he's looking at the word of God, trying to understand the word of God, but not receiving Christ as the word of God. We receive Christ, and we receive everything that he has to say, and the spiritual realm begins to open up to us. Jesus talks to him for quite a while, then he finally gets to the one verse that we've all heard quoted, and we even quote it on our own. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What was he saying? Nicodemus, let me break this down a little bit further and show you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that simple. But we gotta believe past the natural into the supernatural. See, that's what it does. It opens up our eyes and lets us know that there is a battle out there that we don't always see. It lets us know of some things that's going on. It's in that place where we cannot find courage, so we look to the world and it encourages us. We cannot find the provision or the vision or even a way out of what we need, so we look to the word of God and it begins to show us that. You know, one of the things that we shouldn't be responsible for is we shouldn't be responsible for convicting. How many of you parents in here has ever sat down with your child and thought, if they would just listen to me, they would do what they need to do? Preach, Brother Matt. That's okay, that's what I'm here for. And you're thinking... Do I turn up the pressure a little bit? Because I really want them to go this way. But remember, our job is not to convict. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Word of God, as they read it and it comes alive inside of them, will show them as they look for the way. And that happens to us all. We don't have to do what the Word of God does. It's an enduring word. It's a word that brings gladness and hope. So we just trust it, and we use that spiritual weapon. David says this in Psalms chapter 40, verse 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. How many times have you been in a situation where you've sat down, and it's looked dark, it's looked grim, looks like there was no way out, and the only thing that you could muster up from inside of you is this one thing I know, that God is great, or God is good. Let me encourage you this morning, as you've said that multiple times, you've joined in the wonderful choruses of heaven. You've joined in great choir masters like David and millions and millions of people who've gone through the years that said, listen, I don't see a way out. I feel like I'm on an island. God, I don't feel worthy. I don't know if I can go forward, God. I don't understand or have all the answers, but there's one thing that I do know and that I do receive, that God is 
great. Why does it do that? Because it helps us fight a supernatural battle that we can't always see. Because we're just human, we're prone to look at it and say, God, this is a very physical world, what do we do? Peter continues here and he helps us understand that we need to walk in sincere love. See, the word of God helps put ourselves in a position where we're in a place of sincerity. We're in a place where we say, listen, I, it's not about me, it's about the other person. I don't care about what happens to me necessarily as long as I can put myself in a position that will bless and drive the other person. That's the great love that we see with Jesus Christ. Peter says this in verse 22, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And here that sincere, that, that word sincere simply means that without dissimulation, without hypocrisy, it means a place of purity. It means a place that I sit down and I just wait for God to move, but I do it with the motives of what God has placed in my heart. I don't do it with any ulterior motives. Ezekiel puts it like this in chapter 11, verse 19, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit and I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone in their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And what he's talking about is salvation. He's looking forward to where you and I live now as Jesus Christ. And really before we have Christ in our heart, our, our life and, and our heart is just stone, we can't receive the things that God wants to speak to us because we don't have the right heart. And then something happens supernaturally when we get saved and we become in the domain or the kingdom of God as children and joint heirs. Something begins to lighten up in our heart and our mind and it begins to illuminate us and saying, oh, I understand it now, I can get it. And that's what he's saying. That's the reason why we have to believe that it's supernatural. We have to believe that there's this love that's within the deep recesses of our new heart. I was doing a wedding counseling session and I was talking to this young lady and she's a believer and she was going to marry an unbeliever and I said this is the difficulty that you have so the Bible teaches us if you knoweth not God you knoweth not love for God is love so someone who hasn't received Christ and really walks in relationship with God doesn't really truly understand the love that they could so there's always going to be a little bit of absence there in your marriage until this other person becomes an unbeliever. And I saw big te crocodile tears streaming down her face because see, my job as a pastor is to help pe open people's eyes and saying, listen, I'm not telling you what to do or what not to do, that's not my job. The, the Holy Spirit convicts, but my job is to let you know that there are some tough times ahead of you if you decide to do this because you're gonna be looking for one thing and that person won't be able to produce that because it's something that happens to us supernaturally in our heart. That's the reason why it says from the deep heart of sincere love because the new heart has those deep places that God fills in with his Holy Spirit and we begin to reach down and we begin to love the world like we've never loved the world before. That's the reason why each one of you in many ways in here, you have sat down as a Christian believer at a table and all of a sudden you've been moved to tears about someone who needs Christ. You've been moved to tears about a tragedy, about a situation of difficulty. You look at in somebody else's life and you don't know really much about it outside. They're hurting and all of a sudden you hurt and you don't know why you're hurting, but you're hurting because they're hurting because you're walking from that place of sincere love and that's a weapon in our, in our spiritual battle. See, one of the things that a sincere love does is it gives you the high ground. When you're in a battle, you know what you want more than anything? You want the high ground. You want to be able to stand up and be able to look down at your enemies. 
You want to be able to look out and see how they're positioning, self, positioning themselves and how they're coming towards you. And whenever we have that sincere love, we have that high ground, even moral high ground, because we know once we lose moral high ground, we're in trouble, amen? See, that's the whole part about um, why it's so important that we, we lean on the Word and we preach the Word and we teach the Word. Think about this. How many countries in the world you cannot openly preach the Word of God from pulpits in their nations? Now let's think about the condition and the situation they're in. See, the Word of God has a freedom attached to it. In America, we can do that. Are we perfect? No. But I'm telling you, there's something attached to us being able to preach the glorious gospel freely from the pulpits in America, giving people hope that begin to excite people, and we walk in the kingdom of God. But that sincere love gives you that ground. It gives you that place that you can look out and you can begin to identify your enemies. You can begin to identify those things which come up against you. Let me read this scripture to you. I know that it'll, it'll encourage you. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let, let love be sincere. See, Paul is writing to his friends. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to his friends in Rome. And he's saying this, let love be sincere. Hate what is evil and hold on to what is good. See, the great thing about a place of sincere love and when we're in the Word of God and we're using that as our weapon and it makes us put ourselves in a position where we're saying, listen, I'm counting my motives, I'm counting my heart, I'm counting my mind. God, am I in the place where that I can most honor you and do what you've called me to do? What it does is it teaches us what to hang on to and what to let go of. It teaches us what to release. See, we can look out and see, no, that's not in God's that's not in God's plan. Nope, that's not God's. Nope, I don't need to do that. So we go back to the Word, and we enlighten ourselves, and we learn. And then all of a sudden, we walk in that sincerity because we want to line up with Christ. We want to line up with what the Lord is doing. And then we begin to say, nope, I need to let go of that, and I need to hold on to what is good. The problem is not being able to have good. The problem is being able to see good. Many times now, we live in a different, different world today as the, as the clock ticks down and Jesus' return, and I believe he's coming back, amen, he is. It's closer than we think. One of the things that we realize is that, now in today's world, evil is a lot more prevalent than it was. But even in, today world, in today's world, evil doesn't just come out and say, hey, I'm evil. It's camouflaged. It's hidden in the deep rest, rest recesses of our TVs, of our screens on computers, of our screens on our telephones. It's in the third lyrics of the song that you didn't really pay attention to, but you're singing it anyways. It's in the fourth episode of the third season of a show that you're now hooked on, and it comes to the life. How's the only way we're going to identify that? Sincere love. God, I want to worship you and love you from a posture and a place that my whole heart is given to you. See, this is the mistake. See, Christ gave us a new heart, and he is the landlord and the tenant. You can't be the tenant of your own heart. Christ is my tenant. He owns my life and owns my heart. I want to be from that place of sincere love on that place of high ground and saying, God, as I look out there, I know what to let go of, and I know what to hang on. It's a supernatural battle. It puts us in that place of sincere love, and this is where we'll end the journey today, and it cleanses us. The Word of God cleanses us. As we read the Word of God, as we read what Christ has said, as we read his parables and his stories and what the apostles went through and the amazing things that are in there, we see that it cleanses us. 
Whenever Peter is writing this letter, it goes through a lot. It's believed that this letter went through many things. Peter pins the letter, and the messenger that takes it around had to cross treacherous seas and all kinds of, of landforms and different things. And it wasn't like it is today where you put a, put a mail or put a letter in the mail, then it goes to one place. It'd be this messenger to read it here and then read it here and then read it here just to encourage, encourage the saints. And Peter is writing to us today because he realizes that these guys that he was writing to whenever this letter was penned were scattered all over the, the known earth at that point. And they had many things that they had to face. Part of this letter is about suffering, saying, listen, as Christians, we'll all suffer for the Christian faith. You're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to give up some reputation. You're going to have to give up many things like that for the Christian faith because it changes you. You're no longer who you are, who you were, amen? And that's the supernatural part about it. But here we see in this letter that it goes across, and he says, listen, suffering's a part of it. Bad things will happen. Things will cost you. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. See, it cleanses us. Whenever we obey it, the word of God cleanses us. Now, I want to be, I want to be encouraging. Sometimes we sin. Amen, Pastor Matt. When I was a new Christian, and even after that for a while, what I struggled with was not the sin pre-Jesus, because I knew I was just lost. But what I struggled with many times is when I would sin after knowing Christ. Because the closer I got to Christ, the less I wanted to be like the world. So when I did find myself being like the world, or let's get even more real, sometimes right now whenever I find myself being like the world, it means something completely different. Because that new heart and that new life, and some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And sometimes, I just need to be cleansed. You come out after mowing the yard, doing your job, whatever it is, sometimes you just need a bath. <laughs> come on, parents, have you ever looked at your teenager and be like, what you need is a bath. You've had a long day at school, go take one. I wonder if our Heavenly Father doesn't look down at us sometimes and say, you need to take a bath. You need to go back to the word of God and repent and ask for forgiveness and let it cleanse you. In Ephesians, it talks about how the water, the, the, the water of the word cleanses us and washes us. See, some of it is not our fault. Some of you guys are doing exactly what you need to be doing and thank you for doing that. You guys are out there in the marketplace, man. You're out there being the best witness you can to your friends, to loved ones. You guys who are graduating and going on to college, you're going to be right in the thick of it, man. And what happens is sometimes we become contaminated just because we rub elbows. It's not always our fault. But we go back to the Word of God. So many times whenever God is calling you as a believer to your devotion life, to the word of God. Don't be scared. He could be easily saying, listen, I know that you're trying to do everything that you can, but let's go back and be cleansed so you can go back out the next day with the right spirit, with the right attitude, with the right thought process. I don't know your situation this morning. I really don't. I want you to know it's important to us and we care about it. 
And many times whenever we turn to the Word of God, it's not because this enormous moral, moral failure in our life or something like that. It's because just as Christians, sometimes we just need a little bit more hope. We need a little bit more direction. The world has polluted us in some way, and God, we need to go in that place and be cleansed. But for some of us, we have the contaminants of the world and we haven't got cleaned. One of the things that I used to do all the time was blow off the sidewalk out front. I'd walk out there with my cup of coffee in the morning on Sunday and blow off the sidewalk. Well, around here, whenever spring really hits, we have like 50,000 crickets everywhere. So I'm sipping my coffee, blowing off the porch, not thinking about it. And then I look down after I get through blowing all that stuff up and look in that coffee cup, and it has all kinds of cricket particles in it, man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, better not drink dead cricket. But I didn't have a covering on my cup. Your covering is Jesus Christ. He's the only covering that will work. It's his blood. And if you don't have Christ in your life, you got to start out with a covering. That's the supernatural part. It's the same thing that Nicodemus struggled with. He was looking at the Savior, but wouldn't accept the Savior. And today you have the same choice. We just want to show you how much Christ loves you and he cares about you. And he wants to be that covering and he wants to be the Lord of your life. But for brothers and sisters that are in here, sometimes we get a little dirty in the world, we get a little polluted. We go back to the word of God, which is our weapon, sharper than any two-edged sword. We say, God, help us. Show me in your word. Let me speak those words forth. Would you bow with me? I don't know where you sit. I do know that God is here to help you and to care for you and to love you. He wants that relationship with you. The reason why you're here this morning, I, I don't know, but I sure am glad you're here. We all are. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this morning we want to give you the opportunity to do that. It starts by admitting that you need a Savior. Christ, come into my heart my life and give me that new heart that we talked about today. I haven't been able to see the world as you see it, and I need to. I need a Savior. And you feel that pulling, that tugging at your heart. It also could come out like this, that, you know, you've been kind of straying away from the Lord and doing some things you don't need to do. And God's tugging at your heart saying, hey, you need to clean yourself with repentance this morning. I've got some things for you. Maybe you're that believer out there that's just facing a difficult time. Some stuff has happened. You feel the weightiness of the world. And you just need God to move in your life. We want to give you that opportunity this morning. Would you stand with me all across the auditorium? We're going to be out of here in just a couple minutes. But one of the things that we love to do is pray together. The altar worker's going to come forward. You guys are released. These are wonderful people who's going to come up and line the front. And their desire, their option is just to simply to pray with you if you have something. You've been through some loss, some difficulty. You need a little bit of help. Maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. We want to help you with that this morning. But maybe you just need to come down front and stand here and say, you know what? I just need to be here and have a moment with God. Right now, as I speak, I'm going to release you to do that. 
So if you need prayer, please move from your seats right now as we speak. Come down and find somebody to pray with. We want to let you know that we're not going to judge you or we're not going to be mad or frustrated at you. We want to help you. I know it takes a lot of bravery. So just move from your seats and trust me, I promise you nobody's staring at you. We just want to encourage you and help you. Now, if you want to come down and stand here in the front and just say, I just need to lift my hands and I want to pray that the word of God would just cleanse me. Been rubbing shoulders with the world and doing things and I just want to make sure that I'm in a place that I know that God's spirit has all ability to work in my life. Amen, amen. Now, this is what I ask. As people continue to make their way forward, would two or three or four or five of y'all kind of gather around each person up here? We don't want anybody to be alone. So would you just slip from your seats? Slip from your seats and come up here and just lay your hands on the back of these. Thank you so much. Maybe you need to grab your neighbor's hand and just say, hey, pray for me real quick. We want to do that. Would you bow your heads with me and stretch your hands forward to these people at the altar at the altar this morning? Father, our hearts are bowed to you in this moment. And God, the challenge that we all face is staying pure in a world that is not pure. The challenge that we've all had to face is do we receive you as our Lord and Savior? Do we repent of our sin? God, do we become clean? So that God, we can walk in the enduring word that you've set forth. We can walk in that word that makes us glad. That word, God, that never fails or never fades away. God, we know that our lives won't be here forever, but your word will. So it's that firm foundation that we stand upon this morning. God, you know the wonderful people at the altar in their seats, what is going on in their world, God, what they need prayer and encouragement for. And I just pray that that would be released into their life, God. That through your word, when they sit down at devotions this next week, when they listen to podcasts, when they just sit down, God, and gain a word through you, Holy Spirit, that you can them, that it would be received with gladness, God. God, that it be received, God, with that confirmation in their spirit that you've got them, you're in control, and you're sovereign. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the altars. Thank you for what you're doing in the seats, God. Let our hearts and our minds be open to that which you have called us for. I pray for these wonderful people all in the building, God, as they go out and they celebrate with their graduates, as they celebrate with their families, God, as we go out into the world, God, and be the light. Help us do it with a heart of joy, a heart of passion, and a heart, God, and a position of sincere love for you. I pray blessings, I pray prosperity, God. I pray your direction and your hand in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ Almighty. And everyone says, amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.